0: I can tell some of you got them out. Hey, there's nothing like crawling in that bed on Sunday afternoon after church, is there? We had a breakfast. We, well, Maggie said brunch. We had brunch. We had waffles and bacon and what else? Did we have? eggs, cheesy eggs. Yeah, it was pretty great. You got to play with the dogs. It's always good on Sunday, and um, it's been goodness. It's been probably five years since I've done this, you know, um, I'm going to talk, and I'm going to try not to get in the weeds of this stuff. There, there's so much ground that I can cover, and I'm going to go ahead and lay a few ground rules before we get into this. I move around a lot. I use my hands a lot. I, I am a very gesture person when I talk. Um, it's just who I am. We just got to deal with it. Um, I may be back in the back, y'all looking around. I just, I, I tend to wander and she'll be like, slow down, stop, but stay in one spot. So, um, just a few things about me before I really get into my story. Um, oh, and another thing. I brought some publications here. Ugh. It's a load of them. And they have many more. <clears throat> These are all Jehovah's Witness publications. These are. Specifically books like this, um, The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived, What Does the Bible Really Teach, Isaiah's Prophecy, just to kind of give you an idea, they, they publish these every year, and they study them every week at the Kingdom Hall. They go through every single one of these books, every single witness, every single these people that we're going to discuss, they're not unintelligent people. They are steadfast in what they believe. They, they genuinely have a very intellectual faith. They really do. Sad thing is, though, it's not true. And we're going to discover that. Um, they're very sincere and what they believe, but does sincerity mean that it's true? I mean, it, if you're sincere as a Christian, does that make Christianity true? No, it doesn't. Just because you have faith, it doesn't make it true. Christianity is true because the resurrection happened. The resur- Jesus rising from the dead changed everything. That is why there is Christianity, because of that event. That's what Apostle Paul says, we ha- the resurrection is the chief culmination of our faith, that if it never happened, just go to the house. Nothing matters if that didn't happen. So they believe in the resurrection, but as we get into this, you're going to have questions, and as I said on the last night of this, there's going to be a Q&A. Write your question down, um, save it. Don't be afraid to ask your question. Because probably somebody else is thinking the same thing. But um, if you want to, I can pass these around. Y'all can flip through, look at them. It's just a book. It ain't going to hurt you. Um, But they have a plethora of these. And I just did this kind of to show you that, I mean, they have book after book after book after book on their theology. And they study it regularly. Just kind of get in your mind how serious they are about their ministry work. And, quite honestly, I think we should be the same way. I think we should have that tenacity to want to study and to learn. And I hope that this study does that for everybody here. I hope that it, it emboldens you and encourages you. That's what this is about. This is about encouragement. This is about, you know, we're not here to slander anybody. Um, I'm sure you know Jehovah's Witnesses um, that you're, you may be friends with. I'm not here to diminish them as a person at all. I love them as a person. I have most of my family are Jehovah's Witnesses whom I haven't spoke to in 20 years. I still love them. I still care about them. But my issue and the issues that we're going to cover are pertaining to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear organization. You're going to hear these words. You're going to hear these these phrases. And I'm going to walk you through that. I'm going I'm to help you understand what that is. Um, but mostly the society, Watchtower Bible Tract Society, um, the organization of Jehovah's Witnesses, that's where my problem lies, not with the people necessarily. Um, another thing, um, let's see, I just want to make sure, cover some bases before I actually get into my story, um, making sure that I'm not missing anything. um. If you've heard this before, this is geared differently because the last time that I did this, I still had a lot of emotions wrapped up in this. You know, I've been excommunicated. Um, The only person that I had contact with was my mother. I have five other siblings. I have cousins. I have um, aunts and uncles. I have you know, married family member at the time that I grew up with, Um, and overnight, they were gone out of my life, and my mother's all had. She was the only person there for me, and very lonely existence, and uh, which I'll cover that here shortly, but um, you know... (sighs) I just had so much animosity, and I'm not going to lie, I, I, was, I was bitter about it. I was bitter about how I was treated. I was bitter how wronged I was done. And I had a lot of personal grudge. And over the years, over studying and, and you know, studying theology and studying and, and really digging deep into Christianity and the heart and the mind of God, God convicted me of that, and He said, you don't need to be mad at them anymore. You don't need to. I've given you this to be able to combat that. Because here's the truth of it. They're not going to sit and talk with me. They're not going to do it. I'm an apostate to their religion. They're not going to do it. They they absolutely are not going to discuss things with me. And If you're wondering what an apostate is, I'll cover that later as well. Um, So my only chance is to teach you. They're going to come to your door. So if I can teach you and give you the tools to engage them, then in a sense, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my job, I feel. And I just, again, I want to encourage you to be bold and to be courageous and know that you have the truth and you can stand on it. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to. And who knows? You you might convince a Jehovah's Witness to be a Christian. And like I said this morning, don't say that you can't because here I am. I'm standing here. I'm living proof of it. Um, so, tonight is, and I know it sounds a little boastful, is about me. It's about my journey, about how I come to know Christ. Um, before I get into that, um, if you don't know anything about me, I, am, I was a nerd before being a nerd was cool. Like, I'm, I, me and my wife are going through the show Stranger Things right now. I have been a die-hard, avid watcher of this show. Anything '80s, anything '80s nostalgia, Americana. You know, Dungeons and Dragons, Star Wars, all that stuff. I'm a, I am a nerd for it. I love it, and I have. And I was, I love that stuff. I, I love that stuff when you got beat up for it in school. Like you didn't talk about like Adam when we were coming up. You didn't say you liked Star Wars and stuff. You, you just didn't say it. You, you. You didn't get girlfriends you didn't have friends for saying this stuff. I was like, oh, man, that stuff's, you know, that's dumb, you know. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I grew up on it. Um, now I see all these kids liking Star Wars and Marvel and stuff. And I'm just like, man, I was born in the wrong time. Like, this is my time, you know. This is the stuff that I love. And I see all these young people just eating it up. And I'm man, you know, I get beat up for it. But, um, that's me. I I'm, I'm, I love to read. I, I'm a deep thinker. Um, I love thinking about things, and, and it's kind of a blessing and a curse, and I'm kind of seeing that in my daughter now, because she analyzes everything. And I'm the same way. She will question something to death. Kids ask questions. They love asking questions. Well, she is to the millionth power. and. She's like, I was like, are you going in the back tonight, or are you going to listen to this? She said, oh, I'll listen. She said, you know, uh, I've heard it a thousand times, but I'm sure I'll find something new. And so she's sitting out here listening tonight, and yeah, I'm just a uh, pretty easygoing guy. I served in the military. I was, I was a Marine. I was infantryman in the Marine Corps. I did Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, this plays is part and parcel to my story. It actually has a big part in that. Um, I'm currently now. I, I actually work for my wife. Um, she's not only the wife and the boss; she really is the boss. Like she, she what she says goes. Um, yeah, if it's not pressing shirts, it's doing something on our lasers. You know, she, she's got me working or you know, cracking the whip around the house. Hey, get this, get this cleaned up, get this together, get off, get off your butt. But um, that's uh, that is my life. That's my day to day. It's who I am, if you didn't know who I was. Um, just pretty chill, pretty laid back, but the thing that I am known for the most. Hey, weren't you that? weren't you a witness at one point? Hey, aren't you, aren't you related to a bunch of witnesses? Hey, you spit? I hear that. I can't tell you the times that I've heard that. And a funny story is, when I did this ten years ago, if you remember, and you were here, <clears throat> Brother Sammy. This is when we're at Southside. Brother Sammy called and asked Brother Daniel. At the time, he said, "Hey, you still got that Jehovah's Witness there at that church?" <laughs> and, and Daniel said, "Sammy, he's he's not a witness anymore. He's a Christian. Well, Jehovah Baptist. Then just have him come on." <laughs> He's called me a Jehovah Baptist for years, and I, I, I remind him of it. And Sammy, he cracks me up. He, I, I miss him. I know y'all miss him today. And I just want to thank him and Kyle, especially last weekend. Last weekend was great. That, that was awesome. And be a part of that with Mags. And I just want to thank you, church, for showing us the love that you have. It's, it's, it's been really great. Um, next thing I know some of you know, I used to be a pastor. I did. I'm, we'll talk about that for a minute. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something, and I'm kind of glad Sammy ain't here. <clears throat> How he's done it for this long, I don't know. Preaching's one thing. Pastoring is a whole nother ball game. Because that man takes on his problems every day and yours. Every single one of your problems. And he goes to bed with those every single night. And the last thing on his mind is every single one of you. I know that because I've done it. And I couldn't make it very long. I'm a failed experiment with that. Maybe I get to pastor when I'm older. But you're going to learn something about me. I have a very tenacious attitude and mindset. Whether it be the witnesses, whether it be the marine, the molding of me growing up. I'm very, let's get it done. Let's let's get after it. You said you were going to do this. I need you to do this. This kind of kind of person that I am. And things came to a head. Didn't see eye to eye. Um, we're on good terms now, have no bad blood, um, not going to name names, not going to name anywhere or anything like that, but I will make that known that, yes, I did pastor. Um, the Spirit moved there. I think we have, what, 10, 12 salvations in a year. Um, God was moving. God was doing great things. Not everybody was on board. Um, that church has now got a newer pastor, and they're doing fine, and It just seems like for me and my family and I, we found a place where we can kind of get back to the basics and kind of heal and grow again and see where God leads us, see what happens. So when me and Kyle talked about doing this, I was really excited. Um, This really, you know, like I said, it was full circle. So about me, what happened? Well, my story starts... As they all do, you know, I was born in a, I was born in a little, little bitty town, smaller than Phil Campbell, actually, called Bridgeport, Alabama. Anybody know where Bridgeport's at? Little bitty, you drive right past it going to Chattanooga, right? You'll see a sign, hey, Bridgeport, now you're leaving Bridgeport. It's just that quick. Oddly enough, they have a hospital. That's about the only thing in the town. <laughs> like, that's the only thing they have. Um, I may have been there, what, once, Mom, when I was born? I think that's it. You know, drone past it a million times. Grew up in Fort Payne, DeKalb County. Um, Lived in Lookout Mountain, Sand Mountain. Funny story there. My wife always calls, you know, Spruce Pine Mountain, well, we're going to go up the mountain. I'm like, man, that's not a mountain. And I don't mean to offend you, but sorry, it's just not a mountain. It's okay. Your ears pop sometimes when you go to the top of it. I'll give you that, you know, but. When I carried her up to where I was raised, she said, Paul, I can't do this. She said, you drove this every day? Well, I rode it, but yeah, we, we did this every day. Up those winding hills. We lived off the side of Little River Canyon. My grandmother, and my mom were just talking, who is a Jehovah's Witness. She's lived there her whole life, her and my grandfather. Um, both were in World War II, that's where they met. My grandfather actually stormed the beaches in Normandy. Um, He's war hero. Um, he's, he passed away a few years ago. But um, they weren't raised Jehovah's Witnesses. They actually adopted my father from Germany. Um, was it Stuttgart or Kaiserslautern? Okay, so he's actually, he's actually from Stuttgart, and he was at the orphanage in Kaiserslautern, right? Okay. Um, either or, that's where they got him from, brought him home. Um, little one-year-old, blonde-haired. Blue-eyed, curly-headed boy, you know, a little German boy. And uh, you want to know what he looks like? That's what we're talking about, too. There's my daughter right there. It's exactly what he looks like. Um, <clears throat> brought him home, and they actually weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, I think. Were they? they they're Baptists. And lo and behold, someone knocked on that door. And I'll never forget my dad telling me this. He said, the pastor came and talked to him in the yard when him and his, parent, when his parents, my grandparents, decided to be witnesses to the church they attended. And he begged him, he said, son, don't do that. He said, this, this is not the truth, don't do this. And what did he do? He followed suit with his parents. I mean, that's... I'll never forget that conversation I had with my dad, but long story short, I grew up being indoctrinated in and around witness theology. Now, <clears throat> it's very similar to kids being raised around the church. Um, you grow up around the church. If you were one of those that was, you know, late to being saved, you know, let's later on in life. Nothing wrong with that. I was too. I was saved at 20-something years old. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you grew up around it. You knew, the ling- you, you knew the lingo, you knew church lingo, you knew, you know, Jesus is God, we go to heaven, you know, you, you knew the, the ordinances, you, you, you just knew, you know, and that's kind of the way it was me growing up, I knew that Jehovah was God, the Holy Spirit was his active force, Jesus was his first creation, who is also Michael Archangel, we don't celebrate birthdays or national holidays, and we don't have blood transfusions. All right, let's go play kickball. I mean, that's me as a kid, that's how I grew up, you know. I knew those things, but as a kid, I still did kid things. It's not until I started growing up and got into middle school that these things started coming to the head. I I started noticing girls, I started you know, having friends, I wanted to bring friends over. Well, we probably don't need to do that, you know, why not? Well, as a witness, you are not to have friends of the world. You are they're acquaintances, but you don't have regular friendships of the world. You're not to be unevenly yoked either. Um uh, we all understand what that means, you know, marrying into a non-believer. But um they really hampered down on that. And there were also things going on too, you know. Uh, I didn't have the best home life living there in Fort Payne. Um won't get into that too much for the sake of time, but didn't see eye to eye with my dad and my stepmom. So, I talked to my sister, who a lot's changed in the last ten years from the last time I told you this, and it's been a while, and there's some stuff to the story that's changed, so I have to... At the time, my sister then, who is a witness, and her husband at the time, who lived here, I decided to move in with them. Um, his younger brother, Jonathan... Jonathan Sandusky, you may remember that name. You remember Jonathan Steakhouse that was, was in Russville? That was my family that owned that. That was Jonathan Sandusky that was witnesses that owned that. And Jonathan was my friend that I grew up with. That was, you know, I lost him at 14 years old. He died in a car accident. So there's one traumatic event right there, not only that dealing with my dad and my stepmom and everything going on. And I was back and forth as a young kid between my mom living in Florence and Russell and Fort Payne. So I was on the move a lot. Um, Didn't stay down at a school too long. I probably didn't stay at a school no more than two or three years. And it was just hustle and bustle. It was always moving, you know. And then finally, I set roots. I thought there in here in Russellville with my sister, and my brother-in-law at the time. And I got to Russellville, and it was like a different climate. It was a different thing, you know. I I had more friends, and you know, I was the new guy. You know, always the new guy. There's always ooh, interest, you know. You know, it, and I had opportunities to have a girlfriend, you know, in eighth grade you know, I mean what boy ain't gonna do that. Well, that was a big thing in this household with my sister and my brother-in-law was, you know, you know, you can't do that. You, if you're gonna live here, you're gonna be a witness. Well, I really didn't want to do that. I that is not what I wanted to do at the time. So I decided later on, um things kinda went south with them and some of it was my fault. I moved in with my mom. And at the time, mom, you were disfellowshipped. Um, she was disfellowshipped, which means she was excommunicated from Jehovah's Witnesses herself. Again, we're going to cover all that in the later days. Just Y'all just stay with me here on this, and we'll cover all these words and what all these things mean. And of course, that's what the Q&A's for. So living with her, this is where the story really starts, you know, we get into a stride with it. I'm living with her, I'm doing my thing, I'm living for the world, I'm doing, you know, what I want, drinking, smoking, whatever I can, whatever I want, it's just truth. I mean, I, I was doing drugs, I was just partying, I was living it up, I was having a good time, you know, I just wanted to do my thing. I will never forget this as long as I live. It was third period, earth Science. I had a sinus infection, bad sinus infection. It was bad enough I was about to check out and go home. I checked, I checked out and went home a lot. I look for any, any reason to check out and go home. Let's just say me and the vice principal, we knew each other. very well. Well, I remember my Earth science teacher saying, "New York has been attacked. Twin towers have been hit." And in my mind, I'm like, "Wow, that's terrible. But it didn't really register, you know. Y'all remember that day? You remember what you were doing that day? I will never forget what I was doing that day, what happened. I got up. I told her, I said, I'm sick. She knew I was sick. She's like, all right, get out of here. I went to the office, and the vice principal, he was our disciplinarian. Like said, we've we met. He was standing there, and I was like, great. He's not going to let me go. It's just going to be... And he's not looking at me, he's looking up the corner, there's a TV in the corner. I'm like, what are they looking at? And I'm like, hey, Mr. Louie, i got to check out. And he said, fine, just slid, no argument, didn't question me, just slid the book to me. I'd convinced mom to give me some pre-signatures before it so I could just check out when I wanted to. I I know, I was terrible. That was was awful. Sorry, mom. Probably the first time I ever told you that. But he just slid the book to me, and he says, fine, go on. And it was probably 15 minutes later before I signed it. Because I'm standing there watching this TV, and what is unfolding. And I mean, how could this be, you know? That don't happen here. Things like that don't happen in America. What are you No, and then I went home. I was like, I'm just going to eat a handful of Benadryl, and I'm just going to call it a day, and this is all a bad dream. There's no way this happened. Well, I get home, pile on the bed, eat my Benadryl, and I'm flipping through the TV, and who remembers that day? Nothing's on. Nothing on. They have all shut down. TV. Kids, that's the way it was. They shut down the TV stations. You couldn't watch anything. It wasn't no pulling up an iPad and streaming Netflix. That wasn't a thing. So I just went to sleep hoping this was a bad dream. It wasn't a bad dream. What did you do? What did you personally do? Somebody, when you heard about it, what, what did you do? Did you pray? Did you show up at church? Is there anybody in here that hadn't been in church in a while when that happened? Churches were filled, right? What was the Sunday morning like here after that happened? Was it full? Full, wasn't it? No doubt in my mind. So what did I do? The only thing I knew to do. I become a Jehovah's Witness. It scared me that bad. It made me... Because their rhetoric of End is coming, so, the end so soon. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's any day now, any day now, any day now, any day. You hear that constantly. Well, here it is. So I did what anybody normally would do I went to the outlet that I knew. Now, before I become a witness, I went through that book and then one a little smaller than that. Took about a year. And that was before I could be eligible for baptism. I had to answer 200 questions by four different elders before I was acknowledged for baptism. Kind of like a catechism. Know what a catechism is. Let's just say that they take knowledge of their theology very seriously. Extremely serious. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I learned more theology, even to this day, from this Bible from 19 what, 71, did you say? That was my mama's. I learned more theology out of that Bible right there than I have any other Bible that I have. I could teach you the gospel out of their Bible. I can do it. I can show you. There are differences. There are changes. We're going to cover that too. But, I loved it. I'm a theology nerd. I love leaning into what the Bible writers are trying to tell us. i just captivated by it. I love Lord of the Rings. I love fantasy novels, and I always read the Bible in that way. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I always read the Bible as it was a novel, and somehow, some way, that always helped me remember things. It always would show me, hey, that's interesting, I'm going to see that again later. If you ever read a novel, you ever read um, Sherlock Holmes or something, you see little clues in the novel, right? And you're like, I know I'm going to see that again. That's how I read the Bible. I know when something weird happens, something goes on, God's doing something here. And that's how I've always been since I was 18 years old. That's how I've always read Scripture. And there were good things that came out of being a witness. It taught me study. It taught me my love for Scripture. I have a profound love for Scripture in the Bible. I have a profound love for the Near East. I have a love for that culture. And it all grew from that. But, that was also my curse. Because after I was a witness, I started studying relentlessly. My sister, at the time I lived there, she said, is this all you do? And we didn't have the world wide web like we do now. We had it. We had dial up. You've got mail. You Anybody remember that? Yeah. We had the watchtower on CD-ROM, and I poured over it, and that was probably the worst slash definitely the best thing that ever happened to me, because as I'm going, I'm starting to see inconsistencies. I'm starting to see problems with this theology. It don't really take very long, but what did I do? I pushed it down. Society can't be wrong. They're, they're the only truth in the world. They're the only ones. They're the faithful and discreet slave of Matthew 24. There's no way they're wrong. Fast forward. <clears throat> Boy, there's so much I, I could bring out, and it's been so long, and there's so much that's happened. I try not to get bogged down, and excuse me if I do, but I'm going to fast forward to my favorite part. I was working at that restaurant, Jonathan's. And I was having a crisis, you know, of faith. I was having a crisis of conscience in dealing with some of the things. Like, for instance, they don't believe in a fiery burning hell. Well, it seems pretty evident. Jesus was pretty emphatic about there being a hell. Whether that was fire and brimstone and all that, you know, I didn't know, but I know that Clearly, there is a definitive separation from God. It's clear. You can't get any clearer in Scripture. And why, is the, why are the witnesses saying different? Well, in respects to heaven... Alright, I'm going to slow down for just a second. This always happens when I get to talking about this. You have grown up your whole lives... Understanding that a believer goes to heaven when they die. Correct? Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that. When I say paradise, when I say heaven, when I say things like that, I need you to understand what they mean. They have the same language we do. But they don't mean the same things we mean. you got to understand that. When they say paradise, they're talking about this earth refurbished into a paradise. Not a new one, this one. And you will be resurrected from sleep onto the paradise earth. Okay? Only 144,000 of Jehovah's Witnesses will go to heaven. That's it. Everybody understand? I know that sounds crazy. It is. It is we're going to go through that. But I need you to get that in your mind when I say that. When I say heaven, it's not in the term in the way you're thinking. I need you to understand it from their point of view. So heaven to them is when we die, or when Jehovah comes back at Armageddon, that is when we'll live on a paradise earth. All of Jehovah's followers. And all of those that have died before the resurrection, hang on to that. Put a pen in that write that down. That's going to be important later on. So, I'm working at this restaurant. Things are not going good at home. My sister and my brother-in-law, we're butting heads. And it was an October night. It was a cool night. It was a beautiful night. And the most beautiful creature I have ever seen in my life walks in this restaurant. Yeah, you're right. You looked at her. She's pretty, she's, she's pretty ancient. She ain't changed a bit. I never would have dreamed a creature that beautiful would ever have anything to do with me. And I couldn't pursue her. wasn't supposed to. And it was a few months. It was a couple months. But I wound up doing it. And <laughs> at the time, worst slash best decision I ever made. I was getting fired from every side. It got to the point where <clears throat> when I was dating her, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I attended my first ever birthday party with candles, cake, the works, with that family. Valentines. My first Valentine ever was hers. I was 19 years old. She, I think she looked at me like this helpless little... Just She felt so bad for me. I think that's what it was. I think she felt bad for me. Amy, I'm probably right. She probably just felt so bad for me. Like, oh, he's pitiful. Look at him. He's never had a birthday. I mean, that's what I think she felt for me, you know? I mean, her mama just cried. Like She's like, he's a grown man. This is the first birthday he's ever had. I loved it. I I loved it, but in the inside, I'm like, I am, this is terrible. I am offending Jehovah. I'm being selfish. I need you to understand that inner turmoil going on with me. Needless to say, it didn't help our relationship at all. you imagine as parents a guy coming in dating your daughter that believes this stuff? Imagine what Tony and Pam were going through. I mean, I didn't like them at all when we were dating. Now that I have a daughter with her, I totally understand. I get it. I get their, their reservations. I get the problems that they have with things. Fast forward, we're going through our thing here. We're dating on and, on and off again. I have been excommunicated. I have been disfellowshipped from the witnesses. They no longer recognize me as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm, I'm shunned. Don't speak to, don't talk to him. I mean, I still have people in the community now that will go all the way, they'll go three aisles down in Walmart parking lot get away from me. Like, I'm going to steal their soul or something, you know? Like, I'm, gonna, I'm going to reach in and just take their soul. At, no, I can't even say hello. Now, to be fair, not everywhere else is like that. That's something me and my mother have talked about. In other areas, some people are more gracious and more kind that are witnesses that you meet. It just seems to be, in our particular area, that seems to go a little steeper. And that's a personal thing. You know, it goes a little little harder. And that can vary from church to church. I'm sure you know Baptist churches that are a lot more charismatic and, and allow things to go on that you probably wouldn't, right? You've heard of things, I'm sure. Same thing can happen there. Um, they're a little more legalistic in that sense. They're all legalistic, but they're hyper-legalistic in this area, it seems to be. But um, either way, you could tell that my descent out of the witnesses was happening. Fast forward, Christy and I, it just got to be too much. I even, I even went to church at Southside. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Brother Mark, when he was still alive, uh, he—we went to Southside when he was still there, Brother Mark Smith, and I did an altar call. I came up, didn't mean it at all. I didn't believe any of it. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe. I was to the point where I just didn't believe in religion at all. I simply come up to the front and did an altar call and got saved, so her parents would leave me alone. Pretty terrible, isn't it? It's pretty awful. I don't deny it. I admit it. It's what I did. Just so they would get off my back. Didn't work. Wasn't genuine. Long story short, I had an authority problem. I, 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 I started becoming uber rebellious. and The one thing the witnesses did, give, they did give me structure. They did give me structure in my life. Long story short, moving forward, me and her, we're fighting, we're carrying on, we're engaged. We actually broke off an engagement. We actually, we didn't speak to each other for a year. And it killed me. I mean, you got to understand, the only person I have is my mom now. My family and friends that I knew up to this point shunned me. She's gone. Christy's gone. My only outlet, I have my mom. It's a pretty lonely existence for a 21-year-old guy. You think, oh, wow, i just live it up. The worst thing in the world is being lonely. It's the worst thing in the world. We're not made to be by ourselves. We're made to be in fellowship. You all realize that we're going to look at each other for a very long time. If you have animosity, I just want to stop here. If, if you have animosity, your brother, in this church, you need to fix that now. Because you're going to live with this person forever. We all realize that. We're going to be brothers and sisters forever. We're going to be a family. It don't get no real than that. And I'm the blame too. Don't get me wrong. I, I play a part in that too. But <clears throat> and we can take a break if y'all want to. Or you want me to keep rolling? Keep going? Okay. I won't be much longer. Um. <clears throat> so what I did that I concoct. I ain't got no friends. I have no family besides my mom. My fiance's gone. Totally alone. I'm working a dead end job welding. You know, it was alright, but I mean I wasn't going anywhere. I'd done maxed out. What did I decide to do? Hey mom. I signed my name I'm going to the Marine Corps. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that one. I mean, I just did things. I didn't sit down with my mom and say, Hey, Mom, I'm thinking about this. I just did it. I went from one high-control group to another. If you don't believe the military is a high-control high group, they tell you what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and if you don't like that, we'll NJP you. That's a non-judicial punishment. And you don't like that, we'll just send you to the brig. Any questions? That's the environment that I walked into. But at the time, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It probably saved my life. It gave me structure. It gave me stability. It gave me purpose in my life. So while in boot camp, I hadn't talked to her in over a year, I penned a little note. I gave it to my best friend's girlfriend or fiance at the time, and I said, give it to her, Christy. If she wants to read it, great. If she don't, Closure. She's got my say in it. She's heard what I have to say. Well, I think we all know how that turned out. And I got to stop and say that on this earth, the best thing God ever gave me was that woman. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be who I am. I owe everything in this life to the person that I am. To her. And she's the most beautiful, wonderful person that I am so not deserving of. But God has granted me just the blessing and the luxury to be a part of her life. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that this is the hard part. The things that she had to put up with out of me coming, you see, from a troubled childhood and you see more troubles in my childhood, losing a friend from a a young age, the theological and mental abuse that I went through, now being an infantryman in the Marine Corps. When I got out of boot camp, I went to what is called the School of Infantry. It takes about two months to get through. And this was about, what was it, February when I got out, February of 2007. Or 2008. Yeah, 2000, no it was 2008, 2008. <clears throat> I joined September 2007. We hit the fleet, me and me and my boys, guys that come in through boot camp with, and We were there a day, two days, two days. they bring us out on the grassy knoll, that's where everybody's at, you know, to... Hey, you know, you're going to do this, you know, you're all dumb, you know, whatever they wanted to... And they said a lot worse things than that. Just tell us what they thought about us and what they needed us to do. Had this gunny walk up and he said, who wants to go to Iraq? Well, everybody raises their hands. I mean, why else did we sign up, you know? Of course we wanted to go. He said, who wants to go in two weeks? Well, those hands went down lightning fast. And mine went down. I'm like, I ain't ready to go in two weeks. I'll go, but I ain't ready to go in two weeks. we just rekindled our relationship, you know, things are on the up and up, you know. We want to get her, we want to get married to this girl. We want to get her moved in. We want to get the ball rolling. I said, all right, give me the squad leaders out of School of Infantry. Pack your bags, you leave in two weeks. So I had to call her, tell her while she's sitting in class, hey, I'm I'm getting deployed in two weeks. So she rushes up there, we say our goodbyes, me and mom and her, and (sighs) off to Iraq I go. Never fired a shot. Entire deployment. Not one shot. Dodged a couple IEDs. It was a cakewalk. We're mechanized infantry, so people really didn't mess with us. You got this big gun on top, and then you got about four scouts. That was a scout. You got four scouts in the back. When they pile out of that vehicle, they don't know what to do. They thought our vehicles were magic because they'd shoot an RPG at it. The way the vehicle's angled, the rockets would just bounce off of it. The Iraqis thought they were, we had magical force fields around it. Literally. Like, literally thought that. I mean, we were, we were a pretty tough unit. Afghanistan, though. I got a lot of respect for Taliban fighters. Those guys don't play around. Those guys have won every engagement in that country since its establishment. They beat the Russians. They beat us. Who else they beat? They beat another country that tried to move in on them. I can't remember. These guys don't play around. And they showed us that. They took us to school. Now, we had the power, we had, the, we, had the, we had superior firepower tactics and maneuvers against a uniformed enemy. These guys were so clever that the wind would pick up and when it would move sand, they would run behind it. And they would set up where an RPG is over here, a rocket. Or they'd set up an IED, they had an IED set up and they'd blow it. And you just didn't know where they were coming. And they came to collect one day. <clears throat> I was already questioning God. I was questioning the universe, our existence. I had questions, you know. And April 1st, 2010. it took a good friend from me. Um, Sergeant Frank J. World. Um, Excuse me, I'll get through it. It's been a while. Mundo, Spanish for world. We're close to the same age. He had a little boy named Jacob. The time he was about three, looked just like him, curly-headed, cute kid. He had a baby girl named Lily that was born to him while he was there. Never made it home to see her. He never held his baby. He was reading the Bible when he died. He had questions, and we talked, and I gave him answers only I knew, you know. I don't want to trick myself into thinking that, and I don't know, I'm hopeful. I know the man that he was and I know more than that I know the mercy of my God I know the heart of my God that he longs for us at any point point. and I pray that Mundo in his last moments was saved I feel that if Jesus was there that he would have accepted I believe that was all I have and I could be wrong but that ain't what I was thinking of at the time <laughs> I walked off into the desert by myself after Sergeant Hyde told me and we we talked about it. I just looked up to the heavens and I said, God, if you're even there, if you are, don't bother with me. I don't want nothing to do with you. If this is who you are, I don't want nothing to do with you. You're sick, you're vindictive, and you're a megalomaniac. If you think this is love. I don't want no part of it. I mean, these people are fighting for what they believe is true. Islam. They're dying for it. Is it true? And this is me at the time, you know. It's Christianity. We're supposed to be a Christian nation and we're fighting for the right and Truth of Christianity, I will. All I seem to see is I'm not fighting for anybody but the man to the left and right of me. That's all I see, I and I'm not trying to diminish you guys or anything like that. But you got to know, when I was there, I wasn't thinking about my wife, I wasn't thinking about anybody else but that man to my left and right because I was going to get him home. It's not a war for America at that point when bullets are flying over your head and your grenades are being thrown at you. You're trying to survive. I'm not thinking about the flag waving. I could care less about the flag waving. I'm worried about breathing for the next 15 minutes. And keeping that guy alive. Keeping this guy over here that's just got hit alive. That's what I was worried about. That was my reality. That's many men's reality. So yeah, I was a little mad at God. And that bled over into my everyday, my my daily thought process. I became angry. I come home. I had about a little under a year left in the Marine Corps after Afghanistan, right? And she knew when i come home I was different. I wasn't the same. I haven't been the same since. And it's just, there's still a piece of me over there. I'm never going to get back. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You, there's a part of you that stays there. And it'll forever be in the desert. Things were okay. They were rocky, but they were okay when I was still in the Marine Corps. It was when I got home, home. When we got here, it's when things really started to go bad. I don't know how she stayed with me, guys. I wouldn't have. I'd cuss her every breath. I was mean. And I didn't want to be. I had family and friends, I thought, before I'd left, that I'd made relationships and they abandoned me too. I didn't trust people. I didn't trust anything. I only trusted myself. And the guys that I'd left, I'd been fighting a war with. I didn't have that anymore. It was gone. I wanted so bad to get out of the Marine Corps and when I left I was lost. I was just so, so lost. I, I remember I went to the unemployment office in Decatur and the woman told me, I said I need to speak to the VA rep here in Decatur, you know here, here at the office and she said you just get in line like everybody else. You know, I'm not trying to elevate myself above the next American person. I'm not. But I did do the job. And there are VA veteran reps for me. But I didn't get that luxury. And I walked out and I just hung my head and I started crying. Because I felt like nobody cared. I mean, how could you know what I went through? You know, I wasn't thinking clear. I, I don't mean to put that burden on you. I'm not trying to put that burden on you to make you feel bad. I'm not because how could you know? You know, there's no way you can know what I was going through and what I was dealing with. Maybe now, in hindsight, when I look back, maybe if I would have been more open and talking to somebody, maybe I could have, maybe there could have been somebody that understood. But I wasn't willing to do that. My attitude, my anger's getting worse. And one day she walks up to me and she says, You're gonna be a daddy. Guys, I can't explain, I was so proud, I knew I wasn't fit to be a dad, I wasn't fit to be a husband, I wasn't fit to be anything, I was a mess, I wouldn't wouldn't want anybody to be with me, the person that I was at that time. And I treated her bad when she was pregnant, and I yelled at her, and I never put a hand on, I'd never put a hand on my wife, even then I wouldn't, I'd never, I was just so angry, and I felt so unloved, I didn't have anybody in my life that I could depend on, and she was there the whole time, and I see that now, that's why I made such a big deal earlier, I let everybody know how important she is to me, and I wouldn't be here without her. When that kid was born, I was so happy. But Maggie, I wasn't the dad that I should have been when you were a baby. What happened, I'm going to back up a little bit, and then I'll finish this up. About a month before I come home from the Marine Corps, I started asking the question, are the witnesses true? I was scared to death to even ask that question even then from all the indoctrination you don't question the society you don't question Jehovah its immediate death you don't do that I built up the courage to ask that question I sat on my phone and for about three hours, I started pouring over material and looking at questions, looking at theologians' responses, Christian responses, apologetics is what it was. I didn't know it at the time. If you don't know what that is, that is apologia to have a defense. Second Peter three fifteen: Always be ready to have a defense for the hope that is in you. I didn't realize at the time that's what I was doing. <laughs> And it brought down the shackles. I learned within a couple hours that this theology is not true. I don't know what's true. I don't know. There's so many religions out there, you know. That was where I was on a journey. Well, that journey ended abruptly when I took a single barrel shotgun and I was told my wife I was going hunting. And I didn't have any plans coming back out of the woods. I was going to end it all right there. Seven mile island. It's not a comforting thing to say in front of my nine year old daughter. Just so everybody's aware. Mag's probably one year old. (laughs) I believe I was saved that day in those woods. I didn't realize it. Because I was in the middle of Seven Mile Island screaming, God, please show me yourself. Show me you're real. I'm begging you. If you're there, just hear me. And it wasn't no loud, audible, you know, boom, no burning bush, anything like that. I just simply felt, go home. Go home to your family. Go home to those that are there and that love you. Went home. And of Christy, you remember I come home and I said, I don't know if God exists. I don't know if Christianity's is true, Islam's is true. I don't know if we're just this is all an illusion. I don't know what's up. But we're going to church in the morning. And we're going to find out if God exists. I am. And Christy was more than excited to go. She wanted me to go. Bib wanted me to go. And Daniel was up there preaching. And I can't even tell you what he was preaching. I don't remember the day. I don't remember the moment. I don't remember what the precipitation was outside. Like a lot of people do. Like they say you got to know everything. Don't. Because my mind was a fog. And all I know is I heard, if you do not come and accept me today, you never will. And I didn't know what that meant. But I know I ran to that altar. And when I hit my knees, I know, I know, I know, I know who I saw. I know who I spoke to. I know who showed himself to me. It was Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I love you. We're going to get through this. Guys, you've got to understand something. I didn't believe in the Trinity at that moment. I wasn't completely sure that Jesus was God. I had an idea. It seemed more and more from the study that I was doing, contrary to what the witnesses were teaching me, I just knew He was salvation. I knew that. I knew that it was through Him and through Him alone. And that I knew that if he was there speaking to me, and this is a witness that I had, an intertestamental witness of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ. Can I sit here and prove this to you right now? No, I'm telling you what I experienced. I'm telling you what I saw. And I know for a fact that happened. And I know that I sat in my vehicle for an hour and I bawled and I squalled and my wife did not know what to do. She thought something was wrong and she looked at me and she screamed, what is wrong? I said, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. It was the first time in my life I was genuinely free. It was the first night of solid sleep I'd had in years. Now I see. In retrospect. Looking back. God. Saw in me. That I was seeking. Even as angry as I was. He dealt with that. He dealt with my cursings. He dealt with my. My attitude and my my cavalierness and my just bullheadedness. Like a sport brat. He walked with me every step of the way. Until it was the moment he knew was the defining moment. And then after that defining moment, he said, now let's roll our sleeves up and let's get to work. And that is when I poured over Scripture and I saw Scripture like I'd never seen it before. Through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit leading me. God, do I have everything figured out? Absolutely not. It's pretty arrogant for finite beings to think that they could figure out everything there is to know about an infinite being, right? He is pretty mysterious. He is. I mean, he's God. Not saying that at all, but boy, do I love trying to figure it out. I love it. I love. I'll culminate in this. Jesus said to love you, Lord, your God, with your whole heart, your whole mind, your soul, and your strength. I could use work in the other areas for sure. Uh, we all could use working areas, but that mind part was my favorite—the intellectual side to our faith. That's where I grew, and that's where I blossomed. And maybe you see why now. If you've ever discussed things with me, or saying, oh, "What is he talking about?" This is why. It is because I love the questions. I love. The hard questions. Most men may be laying there thinking about Alabama football at night before they wander to bed. I'm, I'm wondering about soteriology. How one's saved. How a Calvinist views it. How a Provisionist views it. These are the things that I enjoy. I love the hard questions. And it just it just bred that in me. And now I feel like in my journey, and I have a story to tell. I have an interesting story to tell, I believe. And a lot of people like to hear it. They like to hear, you know, the traversing out of... And I'm real hesitant now. I used to. I'm real hesitant to call them a cult. I don't like doing that. I think that has negative connotations with it. And I'm not coming down on you if you do. And I've said it in the past, but I'm real, real hesitant to say that. A cult is... More or less like, um, you look at Jim Jones and things like that. That's, that's, now, with that being said, are they a high control group? Absolutely. With blood transfusion issues, um, uh, excommunication of people, certain other things that we're going to talk about. Um, all in all, I think over the years now, as time has passed and looking back in retrospect and and allowing my emotions not to dictate anymore and looking at it objectively in truth, and that's what Sammy, Brother Sammy's been harping on several, I mean he's really been, I, I think every time that I've heard him speak in the last few weeks is objective truth and how important that is. So moving forward. Either the witnesses are true or Christianity is true. Here's the thing, they both can't be true. They contradict one another. So the question is, how I come to Christianity? Baby steps with God showing me through apologetics that the witnesses were false. Get that out of the way. I come to Christ, and then through Christ in the Holy Spirit edified me into the Christian way of life. The Christ life, as C.S. Lewis would put it. Basically, I live kind of like Lewis did. C.S. Lewis was an atheist for a better part of his life. And his argument against God was how can God be all loving? I'm paraphrasing, basically is that seeing the universe is so cruel and unjust, how there could ever be a God of love behind it. But then he stopped himself and he asked the question, he said, where did I get this idea of just and unjust? Where did this idea come from? You don't know what a crooked line is unless you know what a straight line is. What standard, what is he appealing to? Ultimately, that question is what led him to God. And it's the same thing that led me to God. Why did I have, if I was an atheist and a non-believer, and we'll wrap up here in just a couple minutes, why did I have such profound love for that child? Why did I feel that it was my duty to protect her at all costs? If atheism's true, there is no such thing as morality. It's just a matter of opinion. It's all just opinion. But what standard was I appealing to when I said, my daughter means everything to me? And that's what really got my wheels turning. It was her mother, God used her mother and used that child to bring me to Him. So all in all, I will say, thank you both. Thank you, Mom. You were always there, no matter what. And most of all, I want to thank God for never giving up on me. Always being there for me. Walking me through it all. And moving forward, I really hope y'all are excited to learn this stuff. I hope y'all are excited to see what I have to offer you. And... Going through the material, next Sunday, I'm going to have printouts. I know y'all are used to the screens and everything. This is probably what's going to be up here. But I'm going to have printouts, and I'm going to hand them out. And it's going to be resources and scriptures and things I've looked up to help you along with what I'm going to show you. What I'm going to show you is not only what the witnesses believe, their theology, their doctrines and things, but I'm going to go on those three critical things that I talked about. God's personal nature, Jesus being God slash the Holy Spirit as well, and how one is saved. Those three critical criteria, we all must be in unison in as believers. We must agree on the same thing concerning that. And do the witnesses hold the same belief we do? And if they don't, then they're not Christians, and they need Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? Any question I got time for one before we go. Anybody got anything? don't be afraid. Is that all? Did you enjoy my story it's been a minute it 's been a while i didn 't think I'd get emotional, but I did a little bit. but Kyle, I think I 'm good. Thank you, everybody.